Molly Nice is moving in a new way forward, and we want to keep you in the loop. So during each episode of our podcast, we'll bring in new people. People like teachers, students, staff, even district leaders to talk about all the things happening in Alden ISD. Thanks for tuning in to episode four of All the Things, the Alden ISD podcast. It is Black History Month, and I am excited, super excited about our guest. He walked in, took over the room, and so I'm trying to get him to calm down because this is my show, okay? <laughs> So yes, don't don't open don't open your mouth and and take over the airwaves and and no have promises. everyone asking about who is that gentleman <laughs> and when is he going to lead the show. My name is Shalia Reed and I'm the chief of staff in Aldine ISD. Today's episode of All the Things the Aldine ISD podcast is learning history and where the future is headed. So you know if you don't know what's happening behind you, you surely don't know what's you, what you're headed towards. So. History is what we're going to talk about. Black history specifically. You are Black history. Uh, today, we're going to have a sit-down with Aldine's Carver High School's speech and debate teacher, Mr. Anthony Cobb. We're going to highlight the speech and debate programs, and then we'll talk about the Black voices in Black history. And for me specifically, we're going to spend a little time talking about the great debaters because I've been watching it on repeat. This is like my third time in the last month. I'm with it. It's addictive. It is. I, I learn something new every time I watch it, and I'm also reminded of, you know, just the the beauty of speech and debate and the art of it. That's what I like about the movie. It definitely showed people how beautiful it can be. Yeah. Um, and how much work goes into it, yeah. but also the product of it and, you know, what people had to do to kind of navigate those waters and that's be successful. That's exactly right. So before we get started and go into deep, one, the show cannot be an hour long. We have a little time frame. We've learned we got 35 minutes, so we're going to try to hit all the all the highlights and hot spots. In the meantime, we have to break the ice. Although we've already done it, we're going to let our, our, our listeners get, get warmed up. So first, random questions have nothing to do with nothing. Love uh, it. Greatest TV character of all time. Go. Julia Sugarbaker from um, Designing Women. Ooh. Because um, her eloquence. Uh-huh. She's so sophisticated. She's a beautiful lady. But I think being a speech person, just listening to how she speaks, how she delivers her lines. Yeah. Everything. She's country as a dozen of eggs. Yes. But Wait, she, country as a dozen of as eggs. As a dozen of eggs. It doesn't get much country. <laughs> but she hits her D's. She hits her T's. Um, and she just has such a flow. So the writers were really good with that, and I think she took a lot of liberties, and they worked out for her. Yeah. And so I use her a lot in class when I'm teaching uh, public speaking and trying to get ready and just how to really deliver something, command a room, um, and just really get the most out of the words that you have and choosing the most impactful words that are going to reach people. That's not who at all I expected you to say, but that has that has tickled me. I <laughs> used to watch Designing Women like like it was like I was an old lady, right? Yes, I watched it with my mom the same way. Yeah, and I love it. My mom does. Uh, she made custom drapes, and so I kind of felt like it felt a little bit like her life, where she would have to go and look at people's houses and help them pick swatches of colors and yes. fabrics. So, so I love Designing Women. Okay, the big. The big battle, bowl of grits. I don't even. I'm, I can't even look at you in the face. <laughs> bowl of grits, sugar or salt. This is very important. I'm so grateful that you brought this up because okay. there are people out there that are confused. I will hang up this. I will throw this microphone. I if hope you say we're the on the same thing. page with okay. this. Um, John P. Key says sugar don't go on grits. <laughs> no, we're not on the same page. Absolutely not. You have to have sugar and salt together. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you gotta not. have the. Okay, no. do you use eggs in your grits? I have eggs and I have grits, but I don't have egg grits. So Okay, what about cheese? 
Cheese, absolutely. Cheese, salt, and pepper. But why would you put sugar in something with cheese? That's just odd Oh, I wouldn't me. do that. Okay. Okay, where are you from? Uh, well, my family moved to Prairie View, Texas from oh, Oakland. In okay, the, from Oakland? From Oakland. Okay. Culture shock. Yeah. Culture shock. <laughs> like, uh, yes. what is this? Yes. So, um, but everybody in Oakland, nobody from Oakland is from Oakland. Everybody from Oakland is from Texas and uh-huh. Arkansas. So, mm-hmm. it was very homey. And mm-hmm. then we moved to uh, Prairie View. Culture shock because, you know, you have so many cultures out in Oakland, like everything and everybody. And we get here and we're now just I like, hear your voice. I can hear it. You can hear it's it. sneaking out. Yes. It does sneak mm-hmm. out sometimes. When I was, um, I lived in Cali for a lot when I got older and I made myself laugh one time because I was trying to do a country accent. Because, oh. you know, you move away from the city, try to forget <laughs> who you are. And I was on the freeway just laughing because I couldn't make a country accent yeah. no matter what. And now I've got it in spades and okay, I'm very good. proud of it. Okay, good. So how do you end up in, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to come back. What's the most embarrassing fashion trend you used to rock? Most embarrassing fashion trend. Okay, so I used to tell people that I dressed how I thought I looked. <laughs> what does that mean? So in my 20s and 30s, I thought that I looked like an Abercrombie and Fitch model. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, so, let me be clear with you. <laughs> Blonde hair, blue eyes. Couldn't tell me. Red hair. You do not look like no. I had the sir, puka shell want, necklace. No, anyone listening, he does not look like an Abercrombie and Fitch model Nothing at all. Like it, I'm five five, <laughs> if that. And uh, yeah, it was not the thing. But I rocked and I, but I felt I was living my true self. That's how I really felt. You had the little necklace, the little puka shell necklace, <laughs> um, cargo pants or shorts, um, Doc Doc Martin uh, sandals. And okay. uh, whatever else I could find. You have made my day. I don't even I'm not even gonna top that. All right. 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s. Which decade of music do you love most and why? If you don't say the 90s, we we've already been two for one for like you we're not we gotta, on the same page. We gotta hit this one. So I would definitely say the 90s. Okay, yes, Jodeci. Jodeci, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Jodeci, BBD, yes. uh, Boys to Men. Yes, all of that. Yeah. In mm-hmm. the 80s, I think we were experimenting with a lot of new technology. Yeah. What, and in the 90s, we got good. it right. Yeah, the 80s music And they was still tough. play it like it's new releases. No. Just every kid knows, you know, that girl is poison. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Last question. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Anybody that knows me, I will tell you, consider the source. Hurt people Ooh. hurt people, and Ooh. it ain't always about you. But Ooh. just think about what that person's going through, and that kind of explains what their actions. That kind of explains their actions. So that solves a lot of problems for me and helps me choose my battles. Oh, consider the source. Consider the source. Uh, listen, I, I could end the. We could end the show. <laughs> okay, so I, the best piece of advice I've ever received um, is similar to consider the source, but it's it's. Uh, do your critics have credentials? Mm. So, because sometimes Important. people people are hating on you and they don't even know, they can't even compare. They don't even have a clue what you're doing. No clue. That makes sense. I yeah. talk to people sometimes about um, politics and voting and you can talk to them long enough and you're like, you don't vote, do you? <laughs> just the things that you said, you just honestly, absolutely know. So, I like that. That's going to be yeah. one of my new ones. Yeah, and then I'm, I can't help it but to tell you, um, do you? That's my other one. That's my advice to everyone. Just do you. Do you. Everybody else is taken. Tell us about you by way of Prairie View via Oakland. How did you get to Carver? I don't have a bio, so I can't tell the world about you. I'm going to let you tell the world about yourself. 
as the old folks say, just keep waking up in the morning. Keep mm-hmm. saying good morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very open with my students about my path. Um, I had an untraditional path for education, um, thirst for knowledge, and I didn't understand a lot of things. So uh, I'll try to make it quick, but I just always felt a little different from my counterparts, my classmates, brother, sister. I always understood things a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And one day I walked into my first debate class mm-hmm. uh, when I went back to school, you know, as an adult. And I guarantee you, I really, truly mean this. When I crossed the threshold of that door, the fog that had been in my head my entire life was lifted. Wow. Um, I wasn't behind. I wasn't confused. I understood everything the professor was saying. And in that moment, literally within fractions of seconds, I knew that I had to change my major to communication. Wow. Uh, get degreed in communication, work in communication, and teach communication. What was gonna? What was your major going to be? It was business, uh, business administration. I had changed from theater with a minor in com. Okay. To business administration, and then I said, I'm going to change my major back to theater. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do me, and <laughs> I had to take this uh, com class, and it was debate. That's all that was available, mm-hmm. and I did it in high school, but I wasn't interested in it. Mm-hmm. I walked in there and just. I just think it was divine. And for the first time in my life, to be honest, I had a true path and I followed that path. I took four years um, every summer, just everything, many semesters, whatever I could do so I can get out of there. And I got my degree, in my AA in communication and then my bachelor's in communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, you know, good jobs working in education, but I moved back home to be with my family um, and my mom. She was, you know, getting old, older, excuse me. Um, and my nieces and nephews getting older. So I said, I'm coming back home. And I always said I was going to come back home and teach. Mm-hmm. But I was out in Cali just living my best life. And <laughs> California do that to you. Yes. And so finally, I I don't know. There was a pathway home. I found a pathway home. And it was Christmas. I don't like Christmas. Um, but I got the Christmas spirit one year, 2008. So I started coming home for Christmas in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my pathway, you know, mm-hmm. back home. And I started feeling it and loving it. So I came back. And I can just tell you, honestly, it's divine. Just, I feel like God said, young man, what door would you like open? And I couldn't decide. And he opened every possible door for mm. me. In the first two years living back in Texas, I think I accomplished more than I did in like 20 years living wow. in California. That's um, amazing. And I feel purposeful. I feel seen for the most part, um, except for in some areas. But uh, I love communication. It helped me understand a world that was so confusing to me. And I always thought I was different. And so I talk with kids a lot and tell them about, you know, if you feel different, live in that. You mm-hmm. know, like you say, do you? Mm-hmm. And I've been pretty effective in what I do. And to be able to see the product of it. And I never thought I'd be a college graduate. That was not in my future. My family doesn't speak college. Mm-hmm. Oh, my family doesn't speak college. And to be a college graduate and to have the transformation that I've had and to be able to pass that along to the kids. It's amazing. Um I do have a problem with delayed gratification and teaching is wonderful. I get to see the product right away. Immediate. Like you can see that light bulb over their head. Yes. And when you see that, when they're just like, I was like, I know what that is. I've seen that. I've been that. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been a stand-up comedian. I've been a poet. I've been a minister. Um, And this is the best uh, stand-up comedy job I've ever had. The best (laughs) ministry, Mm -hmm. um, the best poetry. And we have a great poetry um, component um, that I love to do in class and those are some of the things that you see. Um, and poetry, that's like what I call the breakthrough. Mm-hmm. The kid that's never going to speak. Mm-hmm. When they get a chance to write down something on paper and speak it and see somebody like actually engaged with mm-hmm. it, that kid is never the same. And mm-hmm. I cry my eyes out every year when we get to poetry because 
it's that breakthrough. Yeah. I call it the breakdown and the breakthrough. Because it's like, you did so good. Oh, you did so wonderful. <laughs> yeah. That's where Mr. Cobb gets really weird on the kids. So, Mr. Cobb, how long have you been at Carver? I am in my ninth year. Okay. Ninth year. And how it tell us about the speech and debate team. Our speech and debate team. I have to give honor to Ms. Reba Kokisberger. We call her Miss K. She managed the team for, I want to say, over 10, 15 years. Um, and we lost her last uh last year during spring break. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I took it over from her. She was a great mentor. She taught me as much as she could. Um, but I had students that had worked with her and we tried to do eight tournaments so they can qualify for their letterman. And under, while she had the program, she had students that got their eighth tournament in their senior year. Mm-hmm. And the first year I took it, my students hit their eighth tournament by like the end of October. Wow. And because I feel like if you're going to hit it, Hit it. Let's get out there. Let's make mistakes and mm-hmm. let's learn from them. And we did. We took some big hits, man. We took some major hits, but we learned a lot. And um, quickly, we kind of got on the rails, you know, with the train and as opposed to being dragged by it. Yeah. So it's so I told you that I watched The Great Debaters and I have watched the movie. You know, I've seen it before. But one, I worked at Prairie View, right? So if I think it's part of like the culture as soon as it came out. I think the great debaters, we actually had a um like a screening on the campus. Nice. Uh but I watched it this weekend and then I watched it again last night. Um or yeah. And so okay. you just said something specifically from the movie when you know they lost to Howard. And if you are watch I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but when you watch it, um, there's a point where Mr. Lowe, with an E, says, um, you 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 stunk up the place. You lost. You stunk up the place. And what do you do? You just going to stay there? You just going to stay in that low? Or right. do you try again? And you just said that about your students. We're going to lose. We're not perfect. So you can't you can't protect yourself from the loss. You got to get yes. back out there. And you can't die on that hill. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had one student, he said, Mr. Cobb, why didn't we make it to state? This was the first year we had the team. Mm-hmm. And I've got so many things going through my mind. Like, how dare you think this is the first time you've done this? You're going to walk through the competition and go to state. I was like, you weren't good enough. And he was like, how dare you say that to me? Yeah, they need to know. Yes. It's like, do you think that if you were good enough, that wouldn't you be at state right now? I was like, it's okay that you're not good enough. You're on your way to be there. Mm-hmm. And it took them three years to get there. Mm-hmm. And so that's my, the ruler that I tell kids by. Um, it's going to take you like two at least two years and three to like really master it. So if you're in it, you're in it and it's going to be fruitful, but don't be confused and think that you're just going to take the world by storm. And the church kids, that's the ones you have the hardest time trying to convince. <laughs> because they've spoken their whole life. Their whole life. And everybody was like, oh, that baby's smart. Oh, that baby can do this and do that. And just sang for him, sang for him, talk to him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And um, I told this one girl, this um, Trinity, and she said, you right. Because, Mr. Cobb, we just be up there howling. And the old folks just be like, yes, baby, yes, yes. <laughs> and they get to, you know, the competitive um, circuit. And they realize that ain't no church people there. You know, mm-hmm. no one to just say everything is great, but some people to really critique you. Mm-hmm. And if you take those critiques, not personally, mm-hmm. but use them to kind of sharpen your tool, you're going to be untouchable. So tell us what the difference is in speech and debate that's different than a church speech or a, you know, or a, um, you know, a conversation over a microphone. What What is the difference? What are What, are, what do you do in speech and debate? Or debate. And speech and debate, um, it's more about, it's a competition of words is what I always tell students. You can get up there and you can put the fire and brimstone in there if you want to, but it's about do you respect the words? Mm. Do you respect the author's words? 
And are you really making those words come alive? Because if you're using your emotion, um, if you're using a lot of pathos, like you're conjuring up pathos to really get a reaction, that you're not winning a competition. Mm. But if by your elocution, by your voice and diction, um, by how you deliver the words, if you can move an audience that way, you're absolutely winning because you're not using any tools. And that's the difference in church as opposed to being in speech and debate. You're really conjuring up the spirit, you know, as opposed to speech and debate, you're evoking the spirit. Mm. It's already in there. And yeah, you've got no tools. You've got no props. You just got your voice. And so do you, how do you prepare or how do you know who, a, you know, can you see a student speaking or walking? You say, oh, that's going to be a great person for this, this competition or for this organization. Sometimes I know one student, uh, the health teacher and I, we saw him walking down the hall. We was like, who is this kid? And we stopped and we said, sir, what is your name? And he tells us his name because at 14 years old, this kid walked through the hallway. Sounds crazy, but with the purpose. Yeah. He sliced through the hallway. He never lollygagged. And I was like, I need to know this kid. He's a junior now and he's yet to join my team. But I told him, I think this is going to be your year. Yeah. But just something motivates you to move with the purpose. Mm -hmm. And I want to know what that is. And mm -hmm. I think that whatever it is, I can use that on speech and debate because you, I, you know what purpose is. And mm -hmm. if you don't know let's help you identify it because mm -hmm. you have that. So it's about their actions more than how they're able to speak because I can get you to be a different speaker. Um, people are always surprised when I tell them, but I have a stutter, I have a lisp, I have a lot of things going on. And every time I speak, it's a concerted effort between all my muscles and teeth and everything. So I can make a good speaker if they just trust me. So you have a stutter. I have a stutter. You have a lisp. Yes. You have a twang. I have a twang. And then you have an Oakland Yes, and I got that uh, Oakland, Oakland, got that Oak Town. Uh, yeah, in there. it's coming out. Yeah. Yes. So, what is it about? So, what do you have to do? You know, um, so I'm not a great speaker. I actually, it's funny. Um, I love people who speak well. I love it. Not fire and brimstone. That's not me. People who can connect with others. People who can do it quickly. So, people, the 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 people I'm most impressed by are those who can uh, commentate a basketball or football game because they're using all kind of, they're using background knowledge. They're using like, they have to know culture. They have to know stats. They have to watch the field. And so I have this, um, this guy who I've connected with who he does like immediate commentary. And then he has this perfect voice. He's not breathing hard. And I'm like, wait, somebody just scored a touchdown. I would be screaming, go, go, go. <laughs> and then out of breath and you, you're, you're holding court. Like you are in control. How do you learn that? It's just like you said, you're calling on a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. I think that has to be for you. Mm -hmm. That has to be a thing that is organically you. Mm -hmm. And I think if it's organically you, I really find it hard to believe that you can really create that. You have to come in there with a body of knowledge, with mm -hmm. a with a mm -hmm. thirst for it, mm -hmm. and be able to activate a lot of things like instantly. So you have to be a good thinker. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those people who do um, commentating, they have been in speech and debate programs. We've seen that. Um, so it's about practice. But again, speakers can go in different directions. You know, maybe you're just going to be the um, maybe you'll be the speaker at church. Maybe you'll be the orator at graduations. Um, and then you have those that are into sports. It's you gravitate to what's organically you. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you're really good at it. You what just, all do they have in common, though? I think a love for communicating. Yeah. They probably won't say, oh, I love to communicate. But I know people who speak like at Prairie View. I see they announce um, I'm, over the years. I've known some people that would announce the band and mm -hmm. the Black Foxes coming mm -hmm. out there. And they would be in um, 
well, it was alumni hall when I was there yeah. and they would be an alumni and they would just conjure up a mob, you know, just stand up and just <laughs> say something. And um, it they just love not to be seen, but they love to be heard because mm-hmm. they know that what was coming out of their mouth was good mm-hmm. and they can move a crowd just mm-hmm. just by speaking. So the, what I think has what they have in common is a love for communicating and, and they know it. So your students, right, that participate in your program, what do they grow up to be? Like, what are they doing now? Oh, I'm going to get a little misty-eyed. It's okay. Um, We've had a lot of criers in this room. It's like a place of tears. It's, oh, it's okay. Well, I feel at home then. <laughs> um, so I'm going to medical. Um, my captain from last year, he's at Lamar, um, and he wants to major, or he is majoring in uh, political science. Um, my number one that I talk about, his name is Narius Ned. He's graduating from Texas A&M this year with the mm-hmm. double major in Arabic and international business. Wow. And he wants to run for office because uh, he grew up in Acres Homes. Mm-hmm. So he wants to run for office, something that's going to benefit the um, citizens in Acres Homes. Um, so I'm very proud of that. I went to his ring ceremony mm-hmm. and I have one uh, young lady. She is literally like my daughter. Mm-hmm. She's doing her student teaching this year at Carver. Um, and the principal's already offered her a job. Look at that. I hope I can say that. But um, and <laughs> well, so, me, Even if you can't say it, I'm going to tell you, um, one, we, we need teachers. We need teachers. And we love students that come back. And yes. so even if you don't know if she was offered a job, I'll make sure she gets offered a job. Mm-hmm. She went to UH to do um, medical. Mm-hmm. And she ended up in a, a conclave, some conference with one of our teachers. And she... Talked with the teacher and she told me, she called me, she said, I'm changing my major to communicate, not to communication, but to education. Mm -hmm. So she now works as that teacher's uh, student teacher. Mm -hmm. But we talked and um, she really wanted to come back and work with me. Just Mm -hmm. the transition that she had, the transformation that she's had is probably one of the best that I've ever seen. She was so small, um, like communication wise. So you don't mean small in stature, you mean small in how she showed up. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I just, I pass by the classroom all the time and I just see her teaching and um, she just waves me like, get out of here, get out of here. Because <laughs> I'm just so proud. And mm-hmm. when I tell you, just like even her mother acknowledged that that's, um, that's my daughter mm-hmm. and she lost her father. And so her mother was just like, you know, it's official now and there's nothing I wouldn't do for her and vice versa if I ever needed her to come and judge a tournament mm-hmm. um, or, you know, I might have a challenging situation with a student mm-hmm. that she may understand. So while she was in college, I would talk to her and she was also tell me like, you know, remember what you always say, consider the source. That kid didn't come, you know, to school the same way you did. Ooh. And I'm like, thank you. And so I really like that. Some of my alumni like talk me off of a ledge. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like talking to myself. And I really like that. They say what they need to say and they shut up long enough. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really good. So this is Black History Month. Yes. And uh, for me, Black History is every month, Amen. every day. But we're, we're observing right now in the month of February. And I told you I watched The Great Debaters. We live in Houston where Mr., uh, Dr. Thomas Freeman is, yes. is known for speech and debate over at that university called Texas Southern. Yes, indeed. Um, Kay DeWalt, our uh, attorney, um, is somewhere yelling. She was, his, she was uh, coached by him on the speech and debate team wow. at— um, Texas Southern. She went on to be a, she's an attorney and of course she now is our general counsel. For me, I want to talk about uh, students, black students specifically, how do you help them know that their voice matters? One is just getting them to do it, whether we're just doing vocal drills or just reading lines 
One thing I love to do is have students read the preamble to the Constitution oh, of the United the pre- States. Um, listen, I think that every communication class I've ever had, we've had to read the preamble. Yeah. And then all the communication class, I had to memorize it um, because of all the things that it, it, the rights it grants you. Yes. And it's such beautiful language. And so I teach them, it's all one sentence. It's about 50 words in there. It's all one sentence. Do you know about heart? Yes. Go. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. Ooh. Why do you know it? <laughs> yes. Look at that. Yeah. And I use about I use that for about maybe five or six different things. One, I have them write it and you stand up when you finish writing it. And then I show them the word count. It's 50 words and it takes about four minutes. So I give you an outline that's like 50 words. It should take you about four or five minutes to get it done as opposed to I didn't get it done because I had to work or something. No, we're going to do that. We got 90 minutes in class. Mm-hmm. So you're going to take four of them to write your um, mm. outline. So they're like, okay, I get it. I mm-hmm, get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the pauses in there, like it's one uh, sentence. There's a couple of commas in there, but I show them that there's different places where you can add a pause, mm. really generate effect and let the moment land. So I really like that for a lot of different reasons. Mm. What el- what other things are you using? Do you use song lyrics? I have the students find a song they like Ooh, and okay. stand up and sing it in the sing. first week. Yes, because oh, no. if you can break through that and make a fool of yourself right there and see that nobody's laughing at you, they're laughing with you, yeah. I've got you for the rest of the semester. Oh, that's There's good. There's nothing we can't do because you did the worst. <laughs> you did the worst. <laughs> so what songs have you heard? Um, Rihanna. Umbrella? Nuh-uh. Um, you Need Me. You Need Me. Um, no, but, but Luke, maybe you can help him because that was awful. So you could put that some words well, over Well, actually, I was channeling a student who did that, <laughs> and that was one of my favorites that semester. And she got red-faced. She mm-hmm. put a folder up to her face or whatever, mm-hmm. and she kept putting her hand up like, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. And they were coming up to hug her and support her. She's like, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. And she kept going, and it was absolutely horrible, like cat claws on the chalkboard. <laughs> but she kept going, and um, that helped her when she got ready to do her informative speech, her oh, persuasive good. speech. Good. So, um yeah, the rest of the stuff, I'm not really sure what's going on on the radio. I just, <laughs> I just, okay. It's pretty bad. That's, yeah. yeah. What is this? Little Baby, if I hear Little Baby one more time. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, and I don't trust somebody named Little Baby. Why is the baby making music? I don't understand that or whatever. Why is he so little? What's wrong with him? <laughs> You're funny. I like this. So I know that your students, most of your students come from Acres Home. Yes. And you're not from Acres Home. No. How do you connect with them? And you know they ride horses, like, on the street. They ride horses on the street. And I'm I'm with that. I'm about that life. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not about that life. I support that life. <laughs> but so Acres Homes is kind of this um, weird little area where it's like one of the furthest north parts of Houston, mm-hmm. right before the country. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot of country, but you have access to the city. Mm-hmm. So um, and a lot of them do a lot in Acres Homes, like they'll stay in Acres Homes. Mm-hmm. Um and it was clear that I was not from Acres Homes when I got there. The things they told me and oh, and showed me, good God. But um, there, I have a counselor there, Miss Brown, and she told me one thing you have to remember, Mr. Cobb, is home is home. Mm-hmm. So I learned that you have to meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. Just You can get them to learn, but you can't do it under this. Um, everybody under the tent is all, you know, everybody fits under the tent. We don't all fit underneath the tent. Wanda Bamberg, she used to always say, call everything malpractice. 
That's malpractice. That's malpractice. If you're not teaching the student right, that's malpractice. And I, I truly do believe in that. And if you're not meeting them where they are, then you're just collecting the check and you are actually guilty yeah. of malpractice. We're talking about black history. And I started by saying, if you don't know where you've been, you don't know where you're going. And I think some of the things that you just mentioned are important. Our students don't all fit under the tent. They don't. And we don't have to make them fit under the tent. Right. And even though we're in Black History Month, I think it's important for us to recognize that 77% of our students are Hispanic, right? Right. that doesn't mean they're Mexican. That doesn't mean they're um that doesn't mean they're Chilean. That doesn't mean they're they're Hispanic, right? That's right. a big old umbrella. And then twenty something percent of our students are African American. They're not all from Maker's Home. Right. They all they all don't show up in the same way. They don't. But that those two numbers are important in this this state. We have more his African American students than most school districts have. I mean, combined, right? That that's that's a huge number, and both of those cultures matter. So I know we're in Black History Month. We're talking about G.W. Carter, your speech and debate team, but you just don't have African Americans in your class or on your debate team. You have all. Oh. What does that look like? How does that? How do you? How do you watch them educate each other? One, they normally probably wouldn't be friends, mm. and you throw them together. We go to tournaments. We leave on Friday around noon. We get back around midnight. Then we're back Saturday morning, 630, to get on that bus. Mm-hmm. They spend a lot of time together. They realize the similarities that they have. Like, oh, your mama don't play either? My, <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and then they start talking about foods and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're communication. So we kind of learn how each other communicate. Like, oh, we can't say that in my house. Or we mm-hmm. can't say that in my house. And so they learn about each other. And um, I always tell them, like, you know, we are usually the darkest team when we arrive on campus at one of these speech and debate tournaments. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so you have their attention. What do you do with it? You know, um, yes. Yeah. So I asked them about what do you think stereotypes are that they have on you? And they say they expect us to be loud. They expect us to you know, to not be winning or not have a winning spirit. So their job is to show up and you've got their attention. They've got this little step that they do, a little stomp. And um, because while people are looking at them, they just say, this is something to look at. So they get up there and they stomp and they clap for about like 10, 15 seconds. It's really cute. And then they get in a straight line and they walk in there. And kids don't think that we are a school from Acres Homes. They think that they thought they were a private school before or a rich school. And they're just like, we're none of those. Yeah. Like I tell them, disabuse them of their notions of what they expect from you. We look like we're going to church or to a job interview and we walk in a straight line everywhere we go. There's no lollygagging, no straggling or anything. We look, whether we're ready or not, we look like we're ready. And um, it's, I won't say intimidating to other schools, but it makes it look like we're ready. And yeah, it you really, are. it mm-hmm. helps us get a lot more respect and be taken seriously because they look like they're Ready for battle. Good. So in this battle, I can imagine that they they have some tools and things that they've learned. Um, I understand that they are mentoring other students. Can you tell me a little bit about this, that the Carver students are mentoring and coaching elementary and middle school students? Yeah. So I have this crazy team this year that love debate. I've never had such a strong debate showing since I've had the speech and debate team. They have poetry, prose, and things like that. They want to do those. This year, I have debaters, I, and they love it. Mm-hmm. So they just want more opportunities to debate, and they really see what it's done for them. Um, one of my students, Natalie, she has become the face of Harris County Department of Education after-school programs. Wow. Um, and they interviewed her, and she just said how it changed her life. 
and how much she appreciates that. Mm -hmm. So it changed her life. And so she wants to do more of it. And, you know, her friends want to do more. And she even said she's one of the ones that wouldn't have been friends with the people on the team. And now she has like this great group of friends. Mm -hmm. So we reached out. We just did a tournament this past weekend in honor of Reba Coca's Burger, mm -hmm. um, a middle school tournament. So we reached out to a bunch of middle schoolers, uh, middle schools and their principals, English uh, heads. They said they're interested in that. And so they want my team to come and mentor them and teach them about that. And I brought it to the team and they're all about it. So we have Houston. Um, we haven't got to work with yet, but they're in our back door and sure. they're very excited. Um, I think the most excited out of any school I've ever talked with, the principal is excited. The teachers are excited. And mm -hmm. I can imagine that the kids are. So um, we're looking for more opportunities for them to share what they've gotten. And if we can do that, what happens is when they get to high school, they have a little more knowledge about it because right. we always are in a rebuilding year because kids come to us no one comes to carver for speech and debate yes they're coming for dance they're coming for engineering yes so we just kind of you know pluck their kids and it's like okay if you give them <laughs> just a little bit of this time but you have to start from ground zero yeah. and train them and so in doing so whether they come to carver or not hopefully they go to someone's program yep. and they have a little more knowledge as well as interest um, and ability in speech and debate and of course they'll be better communicators they'll be better competitors and Learning to compete, whether it's sports or speaking, is really important. Knowing how to be a good sport, knowing how to be a um, a gentle spirit, mm. you know, while you compete and stuff, because you can still emaciate somebody and still and speak the king's English and be just as prim and proper and kind. Good morning, how you doing today? Yes. I'm about to murder. Yeah, this debate. <laughs> I love that. So I understand there's a poetry slam coming up. Yes, I do not have a date, but, but we, it's coming. It's coming. Um, this tournament that we just did this past weekend. It was it was rocky, you know, getting it started, and the end of it was beautiful. Good. There were a bunch of middle schoolers who enjoyed it, um, and running the tournament I hadn't done before, and so now I know the software, I know how to do it, and I just think the next thing is just to do something else that the kids want to do, which is poetry. Um, like I said, I have a poetry component, and they love to write, and I really want to showcase what it is that they do because their stories, their truths are in their poetry. Um, and as I've also said, it's a transformation, more of a the breakthrough. Sure. So if we can have them compete and actually win something, I think that we've got like another generation, something else that they can do um, when they're out of school, when they go to college or something. Mm -hmm. That's something that is going to stick with you. Because I know as a poet, I would just go places and hop on open mics and yeah. stuff. And it's, it's just so freeing. And mm -hmm. sometimes you just have a story that you want to tell and you get down and you write it on paper and it's therapeutic. And to have people listen to you, yeah. you know, and they come there to listen to you. That's what I think changes the kids when they see that they're listening to me. Like they came here to listen to me and they take that and they rip it up. Two things I'm going to promise you. One, whenever you get your date, make sure we know about it. And we're going to we're going to pub it. OK, and make sure people go and hear and listen to your students. OK. And then the second one, I want to be a debate uh, judge. Wow. Yeah, let me know when I can come judge a competition. I absolutely will. I'm excited. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Cobb. Thank you for having me. I you really appreciate it. You have made my day. It. And you mine. Um, so I also love Carver. Thank you. I've never met a student there that, was, that, that wasn't smiley, wasn't uh, amazing, wasn't um, worldly and, and seeking a connection. I mean, every student there is seeking a connection to do something great. I love that about Carver. Uh, so be sure, listeners, that you support the Carver Speech and Debate Team. And where can we learn more about the program? What do they need to do to learn more? 
Uh, we have a website. It's through the Aldean sites, mm-hmm. so it's a little difficult to get through. But my name is Anthony or A.S. Cobb, and I am A.S. Cobb at AldeanISD.org. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions sure. and send out schedules, calendars, and just evangelize what it is that we do because our kids are really moving mountains. All right. So, listeners, be sure you reach out to him, Mr. Cobb, over at Carver to learn more about the speech and debate team. And also continue to listen to the All The Things Aldean ISD podcast. You can find us on all your major podcast platforms. Hit the subscribe button. Share with a friend. Until next time, try something out of the ordinary. We'll talk again soon. Happy Black History Month. (laughs) 